All right. Amazing. Well, so good to be with you. And for those of you who have been around for a long time and are part of Chase Oaks, uh, this is a big weekend, Vision Weekend. And for those of you who are new, this is you, you hit the jackpot. You may not realize it, but if you are curious about what this place is all about, you came on the perfect weekend to find that out. Um, and, you know, we're here to inspire. This is what we do. We inspire people to follow Jesus and together change our world for good. And today on Vision Weekend, we're going to talk about in this next era uh, how we believe some new ways God is calling us to do that. And the song that we just heard, you know, don't stop believing. And yes, I know Dane is better. I, a little bit. But, you know, that song um, was like right in my historical wheelhouse, meaning that came out between my eighth grade year and ninth grade year. So as I was entering high school, you know, Journey, that album, that song was like really big. So that is my wheelhouse. And it's a great song, but an important message. Don't stop believing. And we need to remind ourselves of that. It's a timeless message because we live in a time where it's easy to stop believing. It's easy to lose hope. It's easy to look at our world and see, because we know everything in an information age that's going on, it seems like. So it's easy to look at our world with all the things that are happening, look at our culture. And we've been talking about Christianity and people moving away from all that stuff, right? And it's easy just to decide to throw up our hands and say, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not believing. And lose hope and get despondent. But we who are Jesus people know a secret. It's a really important one. And that secret that we can actually share with other people is that God is at work in our world, bringing hope and restoration, and redemption, and light, and change, and transformation. And one day he will return, and he will finish that. But now he is using, guess who? You and me, his church, to do just that. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, what he would be doing between his first and second coming. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And God is at work in the world through his church. There's all kinds of amazing things happening through you, through just this one church. But that's happening all over, uh, all over the world. And as we think about, you know, what Jesus is doing and, you know, our world right now, we can get despondent. But also, as we see what God is up to, I believe you and I live in like a bonus era. A time that when we get to heaven, other believers will be like, you got to be on the planet then? That's amazing. Because I believe we're in a time of significant cultural transition, but also a time in which God will work through his church in new ways. You know, there'll be a new expressions of church, and if we're open to what God wants, it's, gonna, it's just going to be an amazing ride. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Sociologists note that about every 60 or 70 years, there's a major shakeup in culture. So last time, guess what, when that was? In the 1960s. Major shakeup in, in our culture. And now we're due. And a lot of people think 60, 70 years later that we're in a major shakeup once again in our culture, which means whole new opportunities. And as a church, we have to you adjust to that and come up with new ways of thinking about church. In addition to that, even bigger, is church historians note that every 500 years in church history so far, every 500 years, there's a major shakeup in church, meaning it, a time where you have to rethink everything. And there's some things say the same and some things don't. It's just this major shakeup. And guess when the last one was? 
Now, 500 years ago, a little over that, the Reformation, Martin Luther, all that. And a lot of church historians look and say, hey, we think that's what's happening. We certainly do. And maybe we're in one of those times. The way one, uh, with the way one church historian talked about it, I like the way she worded it. She said, every 500 years, the church has a major rummage sale where you just have to rethink everything. And some think, because there's so much disruption over a long enough time, and some things you get rid of, and some things you keep, some things you stop, some things you continue, some things you do new, because of that disruption. And, and I can relate to that right now personally. Uh, Christy and I have been in disruption mode in our house this fall, since the 1st of August, and it's still going on, because on the 1st of August, we noticed our wood floors were looking like mountains, not flat. And, uh, and we found out there was a, uh, a leak underneath the slab that was coming up. And of course, you know, you, you maybe, I hope you haven't experienced this, but they, you know, dug a hole in our kitchen and a tunnel into our living room and fixed the leak. But then we've been in this mode. They moved all our furniture out because we had to replace all the flooring and the, you know, doing the cabinets and the walls and all. Just, it's been crazy. It is still happening, still going on. We see light at the end of the tunnel, I think. Right. But it's been disruptive. But in that for us, in that disruption, right, it makes you think like, what do we keep? Because you're moving all this stuff out. What do you keep? What do you give away? What do you keep in the house? You know, like design wise and all that. And what are you going to do differently? And when it does come back together, our house will look very different than it did before because of that disruption. And I believe that's where we're at right now in Christianity as well. They were in one of those, I mean, it's hard to know when you're in a 500-year thing, but I believe that people who suppose we are, are. And if we are, it's an opportunity to say, okay, what is the new thing that God is doing? What is he calling us to? And in those times of transition, some, this always happens, some Christians will resist it and lock into the old, and others will be open to the new thing that God is doing and walk into a different, and walk into a different future. And of course, that's what we want. And so today we're going to be talking about, as we think about these next few years as a church, in light of all that we've talked about, what are some of the things we believe God is nudging us to do, that God is wanting us to do? And these are some new things in response to some cultural sh uh, changes and shifts. But before we get into the details of that and get into even the big picture of that, let's remember that when we talk about the vision of the church, we're not talking about some organization outside of you and me. And so you think, oh, man, that's so cool what Chase Oaks is doing. That's really good. I'm glad. I'm glad they're doing that. There's no they. It's you and me. That's all church is. It's not some institution or organization. It's just you and me. And we'll go as far as a church as you and I go. Individually, by faith and focus on what God wants for us. And so as we think about this and as we listen, just realize all this will happen. The way God works is he works through you and me. And so I hope you'll be open and prayerful as we go through this, because part of this, you know, some of these things that we do, uh, we'll do. Uh, it, there's a financial component. And next spring we will do a every once in a while we do one of these big you know, giving campaigns above and beyond our regular giving. And it's always scary. And you take steps of faith 
and sacrifice and you think, ah, you know. And when I first, when I led the first one of those as a pastor, I remember being nervous about it, thinking, oh, no. And now I look back and Gene, our founding pastor, told me this, that you'll look back and realize that's the most spiritually significant thing you'll ever lead in your church. You'll see more life change and more faith growth than any other thing that you ever do. And those of us have been through those, we've been through five in uh, my era, or this will be number five, know that. And know, okay, this is going to be cool. And if you're new, you're like, this is kind of, I don't know. I get it, right? I've been through all it. And it's not just about giving, though. It's also all these things. It's about what God, you know, God has you here for a reason. And all of these things, it's an opportunity for us to engage and help make it happen. And so let's, let's talk about what these are. Three major trends, shifts in culture and how we believe God is calling us to respond over these next years. Um, the first one is a post-church culture. And in light of that, we want to activate our spaces. Let's talk about the post-church culture, first of all. Um, when, we, when I talk about post-church culture, it's changed so much. Like when I, when I came to this church the first time, I, I was an intern in 1989. So I've been here since 80, 34 years now. And then, in, certainly in the Dallas area, and some of you are listening online from other parts of the country, so it may be different where you are. But at, at that point in Dallas, pretty much people, part of the regular rhythm of their life was going to church. Now, it may be a very sporadic rhythm. There were a lot of Christers, Christmas, Easter people. But still, you know, you, you, going to church was a good thing. You thought about it, yeah. And if you didn't go, you know you should go. And you felt like you had to make up excuses for your grandmother if you didn't go. And I, yeah, I'm just part of the culture. And that's kind of gone. For people who don't go to church, for people who are in church, there's no sense of, yeah, I should. Or I need to. Or that'd be good. That's pretty much up. So, so as a church who is here, because it's our mission, given by Jesus, to reach people, not just for us to hang out, but to reach people who don't go to church. Well, that's different. Because it used to be a lot easier. You just did a really good church service and invite people because they felt like they should go to church anyway. You invite them, they come, they like it, they're engaged, and they're like, okay, boom, you got them. But different world. Now, for a lot of people, that still works. And we will still do church services, not just with Christians in mind, but those who don't know Jesus, because that's what we're called to do. And a lot of people will come that way. And eventually, we do want everybody to come that way, but increasingly in our world... It's going to take a couple of steps before you get to come to church with me. Come sit with me. And that's what we, and, and that's where we're talking about activate our spaces. What we want to do is not just ask people to adjust the rhythm of their life and come to us. We want to meet them in the regular rhythm of their lives. And increasingly in the non-church world, that's what we're called to do. Jesus modeled that really well. And there's this passage in John chapter 4 in the New Testament some of you, if you've been around church and grew up in church, you know about the woman at the well. If you don't, you're about to learn about her. So uh, she lived in this place called Samaria. Now, that's important. So, so uh, in, back in Israel 2,000 years ago, Israel was divided in half. You had Galilee in the north, where Jesus grew up. And then in the south, you had Judea, where Jerusalem, the temple, all that is. But in the middle was Samaria. And Samaria was, and, and Israel and Samaria did not get along. There was a lot of bad blood. They did not associate with each other. They did not like each other. There was a lot of violence that happened. There was a lot of hatred that happened. It was a thing. And so we, so good Jewish people just wouldn't even think about loving a Samaritan. But of course, Jesus was different. 
right? I mean, he came for the world. He created Samaritans just as he did anybody else. And he loved them, and we're going to see that. So in John chapter 4, verse 4, we read, Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Which is an interesting statement. Because you think, oh, yeah, he had to, because geographically, it's in the middle. You have to go through it. But no, that's actually not true. Because Jewish people didn't go through Samaria. They went around Samaria. Even though it was longer, they didn't feel comfortable in Samaria. They didn't want to go through Samaria. It was like, you know, if you're an Aggie, you really don't want to go through Austin. You know, you, just, you wanted to go around it or whatever you got to do. And same thing with them. So they typically didn't just go through Samaria. But it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. So why does it say he had to? Because geographically he didn't have to. And I believe that's a missional have to. It was a love have to. There was a divine appointment, and we're going to see it. Verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph back in the Old Testament. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So it was just him and this woman. And he talks to her. Which was, as we're going to see, shocking to her. Because she had two reasons why a Jewish guy like Jesus would typically not talk with her. One, she was a woman. And I don't know if you've ever talked to women. But you've got to be careful. I mean, <laughs> you never know. Uh, right? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, for us, it's no big deal, right? But in that culture, it was. Like strangers, men and women didn't do that. But beyond that, she was a Samaritan. And that's why, that's what she says next. She says, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Meaning, why are you even talking to me? And then John adds, the parentheses for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Of course, Jesus was no ordinary Jewish person. He's God who loved her, created her. And he wants to know her. And so you have this incredible conversation. Well, I'll, I'll teach on it later in the year, or in 2024. But you have this incredible conversation. And it eventuates in her realizing that this is God in human form who came for her. To be the savior of the world. And, and to know her. And she becomes a believer. And not only that, she becomes the most significant evangelist. A scary word that just means to share good news. Uh, and, and she goes to her village where she is, and she says, you won't believe who I just met, and tells the story, and all that happened, and a bunch of people come to believe, and Jesus hangs out in that town for a few days, and relating, and teaching, and all that, because all these people now are believers, and it's just this incredible thing. But it starts with Jesus meeting her in the regular rhythm of her life, at the place she went every day at noon, Jacob's well to get water. A very ordinary place that she went every day. And that's why when he says he must go through Samaria, it was a must. Because the only way he's going to interact with her is in the regular rhythm of her life. It's not like she's going to go to Jerusalem and go to the temple. Because the Samaritans didn't do that. And even if they did, they wouldn't be welcome there. Jesus chose he must he must, a missional must, go to Jacob's well to meet somebody in the regular rhythm of her life. And it changes her life forever. And we believe in a post-church culture that we have a missional must to meet people in the regular rhythm of their lives. 
Otherwise, we're not going to meet them. And what does that mean? How do we do that? Well, one, everywhere God has placed you, the New Testament calls it an assignment and a placement. So for those of you in school, for those of you on a, uh, in a neighborhood, for those of you at work, for those of you, if you're part of a club or a golf club or whatever it is, that's an assignment. God has you there, right? To meet people in the regular and the regular life. And, but as a church, we also, as we invite and as we engage, and we still want our services to be places we invite people to come sit with us. And hopefully you're praying about that this Christmas. Christmas is still in our culture a time where people, more than any other time, even Easter now, uh, think, I, I, I would love to come to a church. So I hope you're inviting. That's important. But we also, at our campuses, when we say activate our spaces, want to add, basically build Jacob's Wells. Places where we can meet people in the regular rhythm of their lives. Churches are the least used facilities in the world. We use them a few hours a week, fully. A few things happen in between. And we want to change that. We want our campuses to be used all the time. But not just for us, for those in our community. And we want to build Jacob's Wells. Here's what I mean by that. One of those, and you've heard about this probably, is local good coffee. And on our legacy campus, if you go, you'll see construction on the far end of campus. Local good coffee. And that is designed to be a Jacob's Well, a place we can invite our friends, a place where people can come. Because church service may not be in the regular rhythm of their life, but coffee is. And I don't understand it. I don't like coffee. I think it's nasty. But it seems like it's caught on. You know, like a lot of people like it. So, you know, good for them. And so we'll have a local good coffee, which is designed to be really good coffee. Um, and, you know, there's special roasters and all this kind of stuff. And a place to, to invite our friends and to be there. And it, it'll also connect people to local good and the story of local good. And the opportunity to even serve in our local good efforts. It'll be because increasingly an open door of our church is not just come to a church service, but come, come make a difference with us. Um, there'll also be programming there um, to that some of it will be fun, some of it will be educational, some will be informative, um, that are designed to build relationships as part of local good. There's a huge outdoor space that will be there, which will be really cool. There'll be workspaces in there, too, for people to, who want to come do that. And then outside in the workspaces, there'll be a play area, a big turf area, some children's play areas. So families and moms and kids and all that can come and hang during the week. And there'll also be pickleball courts there because that's a thing too. And people, that's in the regular rhythm of people's lives. And, and there's not enough of those. And so it'll be an opportunity. And eventually we want to add like a dog park and different. So all those things are, it's just designed to say, how can we build Jacob's Wells to meet people in the regular rhythm of their lives? And they won't just come because it, we build it. They'll come because we invite people. And so we all have a role to play in that. And at our campuses, you know, we're starting a legacy. Our plan is to do it really well at legacy, learn everything we can, prove the concept, and then take that to Sloan Creek campus, take that to the Woodbridge campus, and think what are the appropriate Jacobs Wells with that campus to reach that community. And so that's a big part of what we'll be doing over the next few years. In addition to local good coffee, Pathway Learning Academy, that's daycare. We want to add daycare to our campuses. We'll start with legacy. The reason for that is there's a lot of changes we have to make, and we will, to legacy, and, I mean, to Woodbridge and Sloan Creek, which will improve Kidsco um, in those places. We'll also make some improvements here at legacy. But, um, but we want to, again, I mean, church, the church is just not used that much. 
We want it used all the time, and child care is a huge need. We'll still have space available to still do things like moms and other activities and have child care. But, uh, but we'll do a child care during the week. And on purpose, we've partnered with uh, Pathways Learning Academy, which is part of a $3 billion company. They know how to do child care really well. Um, we're just trying to do church well and kids go well. I don't want us to learn how to do that with excellence. I want to find somebody who's already doing with excellence. And that's why we're going with them. And the cool thing is we'll be the faith component. So that's in the contract. It's part of the deal. It's a secular company. But they're like, hey, you can do whatever you want. You're the faith component. Everybody who signs up knows that. So we'll be able to introduce families and kids to Jesus who don't know him. Um, And it's just a cool opportunity. So that's Pathways Learning. And we also here at our Legacy Campus want to add a chapel. And the reason for that is a couple. One is to provide a different kind of sacred space for people to worship God during the week. To be a space where our Mandarin-speaking campus campus can do church on the weekends. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but at our Legacy Campus, we actually have three congregations. English, in Espanol, in Spanish, and Mandarin. And, and that'll be a place for the Mandarin thing, uh, uh, congregation to meet, uh, church to meet. And um, also an opportunity for us to, again, engage people in the regular rhythm of their lives. And what we mean by there is things like ceremonies and especially funerals. And if you're around church, you know, you know, well, okay, if something happens and somebody dies, I'll call the church and they'll help me and we'll get it together. But if you don't, if you're not church, you don't know what to do. And so we want to, be available, make that really easy for people, and also be there for them at a time where they're more open to God than maybe any other time in their life, and just love them in the name of Jesus. And so, well, that's the chapel idea. Again, what we're trying to do is meet people in the regular rhythm of life in a post-church culture. Another major trend in response is we live in a post-Christian culture increasingly, and we want to amplify local good. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this rebranding Christianity thing. Some goober wrote a book about it. And we did a series about it. And, and, and you know the deal. I mean, we all feel it. Like, people outside of Christianity have an increasingly dim pers- view, uh, perception of Christianity. And we're called to represent Jesus in a way that attracts people to Jesus. And so we're just, and, and, and how do you do that? Well, Jesus told us there's multiple ways. But in Matthew 5, he said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. He's talking about lighting a dark world. Is our world dark? The answer is yes. And we're here to be light. What is that? What do we do? In the same way, let your light shine before others. How? That they may see your good deeds, your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. What Jesus is saying is that you and I, as we do good works in the community, people in the community who don't know God will glorify God. Will be thankful to God, even though they don't know Him. Even though they don't believe in Him. It's good works that people can see. And as a church, we're very committed to that. So we, every campus has multiple partners. I think we have about 50 community partners that we work with. Uh, and as you know, um, probably we have a local good center that is designed to really get people out of poverty who are in poverty. And there's different ways that we do that to help them take. Uh, they have to take some responsibility, but we help them. Uh, and and it's amazing. And, and about a thousand of you, uh, Chase Oakers, serve at local good all the time. It's amazing. And, and you're impacting so many people. 
and growing the reputation of Jesus in our community. Um, and, and causing people to rethink a dim view of Christianity, to be thankful for the presence of you in a church like this, and, and, and to praise God, even though they don't know God. Um, and, what one of the th- and so several things that we want to do. One is we want to expand the local good center. Uh, we, there's just more to do and more people to serve. And there's space available that we can get in that, in that center that we can redo. And one of the things we want to do there is do a resale store um, so that we can donate our stuff and turn that into good as it meets needs of people there who need it. Uh, we'll provide furnishings and all that for uh, people in dire need. And there's a lot of that. Uh, it'll also be a resale shop, which will actually generate income for the projects as well. Um, and there's other ways we want to expand local good center as well. In addition to that, um, this is, and this is an announcement, just about 10 days ago, we had the opportunity to come alongside a food pantry that had existed and basically begin to run that. And, and we'll, it'll be part of, now it's a local good food pantry. It's in Richardson. And we want to have a presence in Richardson. Um, we'll feed, right now, it already, it's already doing it, feeding about 4,000 people every month, providing very basic needs. And we want to chase soaks it up or local good it up. And uh, right now it's, it's a little rough around the edges. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, kind of local get it up and make that a really uh, pleasant and uh, wonderful place for people to be that we love and continue to serve them. One of the great things with that is that gives us hundreds of more volunteer opportunities. We actually we don't have enough volunteer opportunities at local good center, believe it or not. And so because of, your, because of your generosity and willingness to serve, this will give hundreds more opportunities to feed uh, families and to, and to serve them in other ways. And it's a cool one because there's, there'll be a lot of opportunity to be able to do that as families, as groups, for your kids to grow up just regularly serving and, and have that as a memory. So that's the local good um, food pantry. In addition to that, we also want to add what I'll call new local good outposts, which I know sounds strange, but that's what we used to call campuses. Just a different way of thinking about church and a different way of starting new campuses to reach new geographies. And because in the past, again, different world, in the past when we started a campus, we started around a church service. So we go and we rent a school and do church service there and tell everybody, hey, come to our church service because it'll be great. You'll love it. And come to church. But again, that's not in the regular rhythm of people's lives that we're trying to reach. And, um, and so just starting there may not be the best. We will do church and we will welcome people into, into church. But the front face of church will be different. It'll be more like Jacob's well. It'll meet people in the regular rhythm of their life. So think strip center with a local good coffee, with co-working space, maybe whatever that community needs or uh, daycare for sure. Uh, maybe sportplex or whatever it is that, that that community needs. And we can meet people in the regular rhythm of their life. We'll build event space that could be rented through the week. And yes, we also have church. And, uh, and we'll do our campus and do church there too. But the front face will be, uh, will be again, more like Jacob's well, meeting people in the regular rhythm of their lives. And hey, come in and meet God as well. And there'll be a campus there. And we want to start two new campuses and raise money to do that. And if you want to know where those campuses will be, hang on. We're looking at that, but I will give you a hint. 
If you live north of 380, close to 75, you're getting really warm. Okay, the chances of something happening there seem pretty, uh, pretty big right now. Um, and there's some cool opportunities as well. So you'll hear more about that. Um, you just heard your campus host talk about Do Good Week. And let me just give a quick plug for that. Because some of these things, hey, this will happen, this will happen. Do Good Week is happening this week. So let me encourage you to dive into that as individuals, groups, families, couples, friendship groups. The third trend in, in response to that that we believe is calling us to do as we envision the next few years is what many are calling right now the great de-churching. And we want to anchor the faith of the next generation. And by the great de-churching, over the last few decades, 40 million Christians have left Christianity. That, that's unprecedented in world history. That even Europe and all that, it just happens so fast and so much. That's more than the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and the Crusades of Billy Graham and others combined who came in to Christianity. It's a big deal. And a lot of that is the emerging generations, uh, millennials and Gen Z. And I could give all kinds of statistics and all that kind of stuff, but that's happening. But interestingly, what also is happening, that's discouraging, I know, but on the encouraging side, is the millennials, and that's our fastest growing uh, generation, by the way, at Chase Oaks, uh, right now, millennials and Generation Z, those younger than millennials, young adults, and all of them are young adults, but millennial and Gen Z, um, those who are Christians are really vibrant in their faith. And we see that at Chase Oaks. Those of you who are millennial, I mean, you're just amazing. And when I go to our youth ministries as well, uh, going younger, like to Gen Z, and even below that, you're like, wow, God is doing something. I mean, there, there is a vibrancy and a openness to God and a focus on him. So it's like, I think what's really happening is cultural Christianity is dying, but vibrant Christianity is on the rise in that generation. And we want to foster that. We want to empower that. We want to encourage that. We want to be encouraged by it and and be led by it too. And so we want to anchor the faith in the next generation and put a lot of effort in next generation ministry. And here's some of the things that means. We want to expand our residency program. Uh, we have residents who lead and help lead ministries and but to develop new leaders for the future, both in our church and for the wider church. It's one of the best things we do. Uh, we want to youth, resource youth ministry bigger. What we've seen is in youth ministry, in addition to the weekly youth ministry that happens, is camps, even more than like back when I did youth ministry, camps and mission trips, which have always been super effective, are way more effective now. Just getting kids away from screens, getting teenagers away from screens and into an environment together where they're hearing from God at camp and, you know, having fun, but also being challenged and spiritually and certainly on mission trips. But those are expensive. And we want every every teenager to be able to go, whether their family can afford it or not. And so we want to add way more money to that, to scholarship and subsidize so that every teenager can go to camp, every teenager can go on a mission trip. I, I want to see hundreds of kids on those. Another thing that I want to do is start, and this is something I want to be involved in, is start, I don't know if it'll be an evening or a camp or a retreat, just for seniors in the fall of their senior year to get them ready for what's ahead as they enter into college and face all that they'll face there. And uh, and I just want to hang out with them. It'll get, let me do youth ministry again, which I really miss. 
and, um, but also build into seniors at a, at a key time in their life. So we want a greater resource youth ministry. We also want to improve our facilities for children and youth, especially at our Woodbridge campus. Our youth ministry area needs to be built out. And at Sloan Creek, uh, that area, the children's area just needs to be redone in order to, uh, in order to make it more functional and make Kids Co. Uh, function a lot better and, and be a better experience for kids in the next generation. Do some outside things there too. And you'll see that. Uh, we'll talk about that over time. And when I think about the next generation, when anchoring the faith in the next generation, a question that you're going to hear me ask a lot is this question. How much is the faith of the next generation worth? And, and, and all kinds of decisions we make, including this reimagine. And, and that's what we're calling this time period is reimagine. How much is the faith of the next generation worth? And I'd say it's worth pretty much everything. In fact, I'm going to ask you, how much is the faith generation worth? And you answer me. How much is the faith of the next generation worth? Everything. I think so. And we want to be a church that builds into the next generation. And so that's a big part of what Reimagine is, is we want to activate our spaces in a post-church world, amplify local good in a post-Christian world, drawing people to Jesus the way he told us to. Anchor the faith of the next generation because the faith of the next generation is worth everything. In order to do this, as I said, it's over these next few years, it's going to take all of us to be part of it, which is cool because it means there's a, a role for you and me to play. There'll be opportunities to serve, opportunities to volunteer. Uh, we, we will do a campaign in the late spring uh, to, to give. Well, it's like a, one of those three-year pledges where you do that. And some of you I know are new to that thought. And, and if you're skeptical right now and think, oh, see, this whole thing's just about getting my money, don't participate in that part of it. You're not ready for that. That's okay. But many of us are and are open to saying, hey, God, whatever. I mean, everything I have is yours, and I'm willing to take a step of faith. And that'll be a cool thing. And for those of us who've done it, we're looking forward to it because we know what God does. Uh, But that'll happen later. But over these next few years, we'll be doing this stuff. And I think we're in a 500-year moment. It's pretty stinking cool that we'll get to be, if we're open to what God's doing, to... Be part of seeing God in, in, in some unprecedented ways do church in ways to reach a changing culture. And we'll be in heaven together one day and be like, man, that was so awesome. We got to be part of that. Now, I know I've said a lot of things. And so I want to summer, I'll give you kind of the summary. But I've, I've just said a lot of things out there about what's happening. I want to visualize, I want you to have visuals in your mind. Right. And so we're going to we prepared a video to kind of summarize what we just talked about. And then we're going to come back and do a little prayer experience, because if God doesn't show up and he will. But if God doesn't show up, we're in trouble. But right now, let's watch the screens to summarize what's ahead. Almost 20 years ago, we as a church were facing a pivotal moment. Our culture was changing. Our surrounding cities were rapidly growing. And churches in our region were being seen as focused more on themselves than meeting the needs of the community. So we asked ourselves this question. How do we gain a fresh perspective on the ways in which we do church? To think like a missionary again. Well, that question led us to the 2007 Imagine campaign, which helped us move from a really hard-to-find location to Legacy Drive in Plano. 
It also renewed our external focus to reach our neighbors and care for our community. Since then, we have seen God work. We have opened additional campuses, built over 50 community and international partnerships, launched our local good center, and established Chase Oaks as a Here for Good church. 20 years later, we find ourselves at another pivotal moment and a critical inflection point. Negative perceptions of Christianity and the decline of Christian influence has pushed many churches into fight-or-flight mode, both of which are counter to what Jesus calls us to do. Our culture isn't a battlefield. It's a mission field. How can we continue to be a church that reflects the radical love of Jesus in our community at this point in time? It's time to think like missionaries again. It's time to reimagine to again find fresh perspective on the way we go about reaching people and then turn that bold vision into reality through a $20 million project that will have three main components. First, through Reimagine, we will activate our spaces. What if our buildings could be places of connection for our neighbors throughout the week? A place where they can meet friends, grab coffee, play pickleball, and find great childcare. Reimagine will fund these types of spaces at each of our campuses. And in a culture where people feel overwhelmed, overscheduled, and overstretched, what if we had a sacred space to connect with God during the week? Reimagine would fund a chapel that would also alleviate the cost of funerals for people in our community. Second, this project will help us amplify local good. Almost a thousand of us serve at the local good center where we see lives being changed through its programs firsthand. But there is more work to be done. As the local good food pantry in Richardson launches, it will feed thousands of people each month. Enhancements to these two important initiatives are needed to continue to best serve our neighbors. Jesus calls us to be an irresistible force for good wherever we are and also wherever we go. As we extend outward as a church, it's time to reimagine what a new campus looks like. We want to design our new buildings around the daily needs of people who live nearby and to focus on how to best add value and bring good to the communities we call home. Reimagine will fund the launch of two new local good campuses. A third component of Reimagine is to anchor the faith of the next generation. Our youth and young adults are asking different questions and facing new challenges and God is working mightily in and through them. What if we made more of the already dedicated spaces to invest in the faith of this next generation? Well, Reimagine will allow us to update the next-gen areas at Woodbridge and Sloan Creek. And what if we made the life-changing experience of student camp financially realistic for every kid that wants to go? Reimagine will help fund scholarship programs for student ministry camps as well as expand our residency program. There's never been a more critical time for a fresh perspective. In the next few years, either people will deepen their slide away from Christianity, or they can spark a movement toward Jesus. So let's chart this new course together, powered by the radical love of Jesus. Let's reimagine together. I told you, it's going to be amazing. And, uh, and we get to be part of it. And, it's, it's, and, and I, to have something like that to get up every day for, just so cool, right? And so what I want us to do 
is, I want us to go to God with this because, I mean, there's a role for all of us, but it really is empowered and provisioned by him. And 20 years ago, when we did the first of these projects, Imagine, um, we are, the, the theme of that was a, the theme verse was Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And if you, in our, in our church that we moved from when we relocated, these were actually banners on the wall there. But it said, now to him, this is Paul, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, talking about us corporately, the church, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And 20 years ago, I remember us saying, God is able to do more than all we can ask or even imagine immeasurably more. And we imagine big. And God has outstripped all of that over these last 20 years. And I know as we reimagine, this will be our theme verse again 20 years later. The God who is able to do, I mean, think about how much you could ask. Think about how much you could imagine God doing. And whatever that is, God is able to do immeasurably more. You can't even measure the gap. And that's what we get to be part of. And so I want to invite him into, in his power, into our church in a fresh way and as individuals, because that's all church is, is us. And so I'm going to invite us, and, and I know for some you're not able to do this, and that's okay. I, I don't want to cause anybody physical pain or discomfort, but we're going to get, for those who can, we're going to actually get on our knees before God and pray. And again, if you see people around you not on their knees, it's not because they don't love Jesus or whatever, it's just... You know, I've, I've been there before I had knee surgery. I would have been able to get up again. So uh, let's, uh, let's get on our knees, though, if we can, before God. Let's pray together. Father, as a church, we're on our knees because we're yours. You've given everything for us. And we want to give our lives to you. And we acknowledge that everything we have, our gifts, abilities, resources, time, it's all yours. And Father, as you, in an unusual time of transition, are calling us to take some really big steps over these next years, God, we dedicate ourselves to you and to your mission. And we ask that by your power, that is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, that you would enable us to do way more than we've talked about. And even as we think about what we can do and, and how we can be part of that, we may have a really low vision for that right now, but Father, you who are able to do immeasurably more than we could even imagine, God, would you expand our faith and our, and our perspective of what you can do through us as individuals too and help us walk in that and step into that over these years. In Jesus' name, amen.